Welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 41. 41. The Yaroslav Halak episode. The Andre Mazaros episode. <laughs> Pulling names out of a hat now. Pulling, I mean, there's there's a lot of guys here that actually, more more guys than I thought to, that wore 41 than I hey, initially thought. Two more weeks when we get the, uh, the Matty B episode. Maddie Matt Bartkowski. Maddie Bartkowski. But I mean, there's not not any noticeable names really. Alan Peterson, Dave Tomlinson, Tim Sweeney, Guy LaRose, Phil Von Stefanelli. Jason, what a name. What a mouthful that one is. Um, Jason Allison, Zendik Kutlock, Andrew Alberts. Andrew Alberts. All right, that's notable. Uh, I don't want to disrespect him, but yeah, Andre Mazaros, Judah Kempinen, and then Yaro Halak. But uh, yeah, hey, welcome back to episode 41 of the Something's Brewing podcast. Um, as always, brought to you by BNG Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at BNG Productions. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is our first episode um, after our initial reaction to the Bruins' loss out of the playoffs. We we, we weren't here last week. Um, I, it's my fault. I had some personal matters to take care of, but that's all over with. So we're back on the schedule now. Um, but a lot's gone on in the NHL. Um, not too much has gone on in the Bruins world. Um, just really just rumors kind of swirling around hypotheticals. Um, a lot of people talking about the upcoming draft. A lot of people talking about the Bruins position with their free agents and their contracts and all of this coming down. To um to the end of the season and and setting themselves up for next year. So we we got some talking points. We'll 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 get everybody through this off season in a fun little way. But um, <laughs> yeah, NHL playoffs is cooking right now. Um, Florida Panthers are still in it. Yeah, they are. Do you want them to how far? Do you want them to win? I don't know, man. I I do now because I mean. I don't want the I don't want the hurricanes like yeah. but in the same in the same voice right I can see both sides because if you think about it if the Panthers end up winning or at least making the Stanley Cup final then you can say okay at least the Bruins lost to the best team to, that came out of the East at least they were they unfortunately had that matchup in the first round but it's not like you lost to I don't know some 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 other team like I don't know the Devils or some someone who's already knocked out but on the other hand you gotta also think that if the Bruins were able to beat them in that game seven they would probably be in the same position that the Panthers are in right now too yeah and to be fair not just game seven if they could have beat them in game five game six or game seven they would would be here but I, I can't remember if I said it on this ep- this show two weeks ago, or if I said it last week when I joined you and Chris on your uh, is it what's brewing? 
Yep, what's brewing what's on brewing Mondays? Pod. Um, but like I don't know, I might be in the minority, but mm-hmm. like I I want Florida to win. And like I understand why that could, you know, piss somebody off after you watch them knock the Bruins out of the playoffs, but I think it's really only in hockey I ever feel this way where like if a team knocks my team out of the playoffs, like I I want them to win because like what you just said, at least you can always say, damn, yeah, we lost, but we lost to the team that went on to win the Stanley cup. So I don't know. That's the way that I've always perceived it. Although up until like last night or the other night, I was a full blown crackhead rooting for my Seattle Kraken. And then they eventually lost, which is ridiculous by the way, that these West coast playoff games are at 10 PM. Yeah. 10 PM. We've had this conversation before. There's, there's, Four different time zones in the U.S., I think. <laughs> Five if you include Hawaii. Like, what are we supposed to do? Just wait and watch it for the 30 seconds they show the highlights on ESPN in the morning? That sucks. And yeah. some of us got to work. I'm not staying up until 10 p.m. to watch a West Coast hockey game. And and but just no. to start at 10 p.m. Not like, not like you're up until 10 for the end of the game. Like, oh, the game yeah. starts at 10. Yeah, well, that not even because they say it starts at ten, but then you, they got to stumble through two different national anthems, and they yeah. got to get through all this <laughs> promo crap. And the next thing you know, it's like ten forty-five, and and the ref is finally going out to drop the puck. It's ridiculous. It but is. like, but back to Florida, like uh, when we talked about it two weeks ago, one of the things that we mentioned was like. After we spent an hour and a half talking about how heartbreaking this is for, you know, Bruins fans, this Bruins team, call it a choke, whatever people want to call it. And I remember we mentioned, like, let's not forget, like, we have to give Florida credit too. Like, this isn't your typical eight seed. This is a team that won the president's trophy last year, added Matt Kachuk, and they're healthy. And Bobrovsky can steal you a game. And that's how we felt after game seven. And then after watching them, like, pummel the toronto maple Leafs, which was extremely satisfying by the way they were so close to sweeping them um i feel even even stronger about that like yeah the bruins lost in seven but like they had the florida panthers team who are running through have knocked out like the two best teams in the east between the bruins and the maple Leafs. they knocked them out of the playoffs they beat the bruins in seven they beat the maple Leafs in five like it seems like at this point nobody can slow this team down and that's why like i get frustrated because it's like damn it like we had this team. We were up three to one. We were up three to two. We had them at home in game seven, which like sucks to let that opportunity go. But at the same time, like I think about it like, wow, like we had this team up three one. And this is a team that's looking like they they could win the Stanley Cup this year. Dude, not only that, but you took that Florida Panthers team to a game seven without Patrice Bergeron, basically, with a hurt Linus Allmark. One game you had Charlie Coyle playing in the number one center spot. Um, and 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 you kind of played like trash and you still took him to game seven. So there is something to take away from that where you can still be weirdly saying it now. You can still be a little bit proud of the way that they played. If you really look at everything objectively – and it's been what three weeks now since that series ended. So yeah. all all the initial emotions and and initial reactions from losing that series have kind of petered out a little bit. So you can look at it more objectively. And if you really look at all the factors, all the injuries, um, um, and and guys just not playing or performing, and you still took that team to a game seven, there's something to be said about that. 
Yeah, and I don't want it to get lost too in what we're saying. Like the Bruins should have won that series. Right, they right, right. Absolutely right. should have won that series. But after watching what they like, I was like beside myself. How could you lose to the Florida Panthers? Yeah. And then after watching what they just did to the Toronto Maple Leafs, I f- I I'm still upset and pissed off that the Bruins lost and let this opportunity go. But I'm also Part of me is like, okay, yeah, so that wasn't just the Bruins crap in their pants and losing to the Florida Panthers. Like, the Florida Panthers really are that good. They really yeah. are that team. Like, it wasn't just a, a bad matchup, and it wasn't just, like, lazy hockey and everything else we said two weeks ago. Like, they just did the same thing to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And say what you want about the Maple Leafs, but that core four or whatever, they, like, they didn't have a single goal, any of them, until, like, game five. I don't think Austin Matthews scored a goal the entire series. And that's just not like a player not showing up like Austin Matthews had 60 goals last year. He just won the heart last year. Like that's a good game plan that the Florida Panthers are doing to shut these guys down. They did it to the Bruins and they just did it to Toronto. And now I'm kind of hoping that they do it to Carolina because I cannot stand the Carolina hurricanes. Well, dude, this year more than any other year too, I think you're seeing good regular season teams get beat out by Teams that are designed more for playoff hockey. Like, dude, look at Florida. You got Matt Kachuk, who is not exactly, I mean, he's obviously a point producer, but he doesn't play a typical style that a point producer plays. He's in your face. He's mean. He hits. He's just a grind it out type of player. And that's what you need in playoffs. Dump it in, beat the guy to the puck in the corner, and just battle it out. And that's what they do. They got guys like Sam Bennett, Sam Reinhart. Radko Gudis, dude. Radko Gudis might be the best defenseman in playoffs. Dude, I want him on my team. I, <laughs> I want know. him in the Bruins jersey. He's perfect. You, dude, isn't he Czech too? I'm not sure about that. I thought he was Czech. Either way, though, that can't tell me that big beard wouldn't look good in a, in a black and gold Bruins jersey. Well, did you see when they when they beat Florida in Game Five? He screamed in in Ilya Samsonov's <laughs> face. Did you see that? No. Oh my god, I gotta show it to you. It's literally it's so funny. So I love it. He scores the goal, and then um, Radko Gudis is down front, like screening the goalie, mm-hmm. and and the the goal goes in, and they're all celebrating, and Radko Gudis is just standing alone in front of the net, and he's just screaming in Ilya Samsonov's face. It is the funniest picture. I love it. Oh my god, I love it. No, but Dude. I mean, they just they just have like a lot of dogs on their team. Like they have they do. Verhage too. Like he popped off and had like 40 goals this year and he's continued into the playoffs with strong play. Brandon Montour. Montour, the hell's, too, yeah. What the hell's up with this guy, huh? He was averaging like a, a literally like a goal a game as a defenseman. That's insane. They're getting yeah. production from everybody on their team right now and it, it it's it's I'm sure part of it too is it's just the team getting hot at the right moment. Like everything seems to be going right for Florida, even like entering the playoffs, like the big question mark that they had was obviously Spencer Knight wasn't there anymore. So they were rolling with, with lion and like, you know, there, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what game in the series, Florida turned to Bobrovsky, but I know Florida was down when they did. And Bobrovsky proceeded to then win six consecutive games as a starter. So it's like everything that they're doing, like they're just coming up roses with every decision that that team makes. It's amazing. Yeah. Ever, so, ever since their coach Maurice called them all out, called them telling they're playing yeah. soft. It's like the all-star break totally yeah. flipped everything for that team. So I just sent you the picture of Gudis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he looks like Kratos. From I know. God of War. 
but like that's but that's that's kind of my point that's what you need for for a playoff hockey team to be successful you need guys like that like regular season radko gudis he's just gonna go out there and hit people like you like he's not gonna change the the trajectory of your team in the regular season per se or he'll change it but not to a to a very noticeable degree. Yeah, no, you know who he he's a lot like what Johnny Boychuk was to this yes. 2011 Stanley Cup winning team. Yes, but okay, so like with that being said, I, I who do you think brings that kind of grit to the Bruins in the Bruins lineup? Who brings that kind of attitude? If you look up and down the lineup, defense and offense, who brings that kind of attitude? Honestly, I don't think anybody does. Because this attitude that Gudis is bringing, it's not like a, it's not like a pest. Like he's not like getting under right. your skin. He's not like you know barking at your bench and you know maybe when the ref isn't looking, two hand you in the back of the legs. Like the Bruins have plenty of those guys. They have Marshawn who can do that. They have Bertuzzi who can do that. They had Hathaway who can do that. Like they have guys who can do that. But like Gudis, like he'll you know put his face on the ice and block a shot with his nose. Like he'll right. go out there and he'll scream in a goalie's face. Like just it's just that kind of not a hype man but you know what i mean like he's kind of the the center of the energy that that team exudes i feel like is goodest and i feel like you're right like i don't think that the bruins have exactly a guy who fits that mold who energizes his team and gets shit going the way that goodest has because they definitely have in the past right yeah it's like you see little spurts of it out of guys like maybe frederick uh jacob lauco every now and then i guess um Connor Clifton, maybe like just the way that he can hit people off the puck, but it's, you don't have the kind of like grind it every single shift attitude. That's going to like, I hit a shift attitude from somebody who's just going to battle that puck in the corner. And it's not even like, it's not even just that as well, but it's also like consistently doing that. Like every that's shift. What I mean. Yeah, that's every what I mean. time Gouda swings his leg over the boards, you know, the other team's forwards are like, oh, shit, I don't want to go in his corner. Like this guy is going to just do something crazy. And the Bruins yeah. don't have anybody who can do that on a consistent basis. Right. And and that's not taking away anything from the, the guys on the Bruins, because obviously we have an elite team. At, or this season, we had an elite team, the best team in NHL history, some would say. And analytics <laughs> and statistics would say. But it's it, there's a difference in the way that the game is played in the regular season into playoff hockey that there that's something that little it factor in playoffs, it just wasn't there for the Bruins. Like it's, it's like, I know we mentioned it a couple episodes ago, but it's like, they, they just expected to win. You know what I mean? It's like, they were, they walked into that series and they were like, okay, like let's just get through this round and, and wake us up when we're in the cup. It was, it was an attitude like that. And it, it clearly translated to the ice and, and Florida wasn't, they didn't have that kind of attitude. They just took it to you. And they were like, let's grind it out, win game by game, and and just go until we until we get knocked out. And they still have that attitude. Yeah, I mean, if Florida comes into every series playing like they have absolutely nothing to lose. Because they right. don't. Right. <clears throat> Nobody expected them to beat Boston, and they did. Nobody expected them to beat Toronto, and they did. And here they are playing the Carolina Hurricanes, a team that's made deep playoff runs it seems like almost every single year and again i don't know if you saw the updated stanley cup odds florida panthers have the fourth the worst odds to win the stanley cup so again people are doubting them 
And like, they just have that mentality. Like, we don't care. We're going to come in here and we're, Gudis is going to yell in your goalie's face and Kachuk is going to score goals and piss you off. And we're going to win some games. And that's how they've got to this point. And, um, you know, it, it, do you still think now that it's, you've seen what Florida's done to Boston and Toronto? And I feel like even asking this question, I think I know the answer, but would you have rather, <laughs> rather played the Islanders in the first round than Florida? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember we had a debate about that before the playoffs started and we were like, you're crazy. I do not want to run into Sorokin. Let's play the Florida Panthers. Yeah. Boy, did, uh, did the Panthers make us feel dumb, huh? And everybody was saying that too. It's not yeah. like it's, I won't say everybody, but I would say probably 65 to 70% of people were saying, I do not want the Islanders. Well, the conversation wasn't even between the Islanders and the Panthers. It was between the Penguins and the Islanders because the right. Panthers weren't supposed to be here until three days before the season started when the Penguins forgot how to win. And <laughs> just to, to see like how that kind of happened and how the Florida Panthers got here, it's like they didn't, it was almost like they were given this opportunity, like uh, like the Bruins all year, right? Like their, their future has been in their hands because they put themselves in that position. They had home ice advantage. They had the the one seed against everything. But like the Florida Panthers, like they were, they, they only got in the playoffs because other teams failed. No, pretty much the Pittsburgh Penguins failed to win. And it's like right. they had this opportunity. I think they realized like, listen, we won the President's Trophy last year. We got bounced in the playoffs this year. We just barely squeaked in like, screw it. Let's do this thing. And that's what they've been doing. And honestly, it's like, as as a hockey fan, like I'm I'm rooting for it, not just because of what I said earlier, why I want Florida Florida Panthers to win, but it's just it's kind of neat to see how nobody is expecting them to win and to, and to beat these teams. And like they took it to the Bruins, they curb stomped the Toronto Maple Leafs, and now we're gonna see what they can do to Carolina. Yeah, um, it's it is it's there's something to be said about that 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 winning attitude and and playing with nothing to lose. It's they're playing so free and the Bruins just they, they couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we we should probably we got a couple of DM questions uh, up on Twitter and we can dive pretty deep into these. Um, but before we do that, I just wanted to remind everybody that we are in partnership with the. Uh, black and gold, or I'm sorry, we are in partnership with uh, Canna Wellness. So it's time to talk about the amazing Canna Wellness company. Canna Wellness offers you four distinct experiences for the different challenges you may face throughout the day. Canna Sleep, Canna Mend, Canna Fresh, and Canna Boost. It's the trusted brand for sports, fitness, and wellness households. With over 50 vitamins, nutrients, and herbal extracts in four compact sprays, it's the most convenient way to get back on track with no pills, water, or messy powders. 90% of nutrients in these oral sprays are absorbed in less than 30 seconds. It's like an entire health food store in your pocket and is endorsed by Olympians, NHL players, and pro sports stars who rely on the Canna Wellness Company to support high performance. So Mel, let's talk about each product. <clears throat> Sorry. Canna Boost gives you the ability to skip the coffee and sugary snacks and energize the healthy way. Use daily before you work out, when studying for an exam, and other times you need to increase clarity, stamina, and concentration. 
Kinamen provides the after-party liver support and works fast to relieve hangovers in the morning after drinking. This unique oral spray supplement is blended with 11 vegan vitamins and herbal extracts to replenish your body to combat headaches, sickness, and lack of energy. Kinafresh reduces stress and gives your body an immune system boost. Whether you're nervous before a presentation or you need to calm down after a hectic day, the 11 natural vegan ingredients in Kinafresh take the edge off without making you drowsy or unmotivated. Can of Sleep is an all-natural and vegan sleep aid, which is convenient and fast-absorbing. No mixing beverages, no waiting for gummies to kick in. Just spray it, roll over, and snooze. Control your dosage on how much sleep you need. If you want to try these amazing Can Wellness all-natural oral sprays, please go to canawellness.com. That is C-A-N-I-Wellness.com. And use our promo code BNG25. That is B-N-G25. To get 25% off everything on the canawellness.com website. We thank Ken Wellness for sponsoring this episode in our weekly Boston Bruins-related podcast. Sully, back to you. All right, so let's uh, let's go through some of these questions we got on Twitter. Um, we this first one comes in from Mike. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Downs Four. He says, "What has Sweeney done to give you faith going forward?" Oh. I think we're at the point now where we can say what has Sweeney not done to give mm. us faith going forward. I mean, I think honestly, like I ha, like the season the Bruins just had was large in part because of the roster that Sweeney put together. We're talking about this as being a monumental failure because of how perfectly constructed this team was. 65 wins. Most wins a team has had in NHL history. Most points a team has had in NHL history. All these in a single season. The season that Sweeney acquired Bertuzzi at the trade deadline, got Orlov, got Hathaway, extended Pasta, brought Bergeron and Krejci back in a one-year deal, just signed Olmark a couple years ago making five mil. Guess what? That guy just is going to win the Vesna whenever they do the awards. I saw he was named a finalist. Yeah. You can't you can't give Sweeney any slack for anything that this team did. Not even mentioning the guy who's likely going to win the Jack Adams this year, Jim Montgomery, regardless how you feel about him after that first round exit. He's the one that um that Sweeney brought in to hire. And I know watching Bruce Cassidy make it to the Western Conference Finals now might sway people or might make people have a difference of opinion, but I have full confidence in Don Sweeney constructing a competitive roster moving forward because he I mean, let's face it, he doesn't exactly have the, the the tools in his tool chest in terms of trade picks to get some trades done, but he's built a roster with less less trade chips and less, um, I'll say, opportunities in the past. So I have full confidence that he'll have a competitive roster moving forward. Yeah, I mean, if we look at all his moves, all his trades, all his ability to sign people at cheap cheaper than market value deals, I think you're you have a good captain at the helm of the ship in Don Sweeney you you, you I have full faith that he's going to be able to at least set this team up for success next season you're definitely not going to see a 65 win team again next year <laughs> but I I do think that there's still a playoff team and I still think they're a playoff team even if guys like Bergeron and Krejci don't come back I still think they're set up to definitely not win the division, but they could be a wild card team. They could potentially get that third spot in the division. You you still have a good team, um, and and Don Sweeney is to credit for that. Now, if you want to pick apart his drafting, 
That is fair. That is absolutely fair. But that's the only blemish on his record. He makes good trades. He makes good signings. Um, obviously, the David Backus contract wasn't great. Um, <laughs> Matt Bolesky, but he found a way to get rid of him. You can look at the guys like Mike Riley, um, uh, Anton Strawman, I guess. Um, but but he finds ways to fix it, and yeah. and he always. He, he he always does that. I, I full full confidence in Don Sweeney. Even like his his draft. Really, the only shortcomings he's had because those signings you just mentioned. Find me a GM in the NHL that hasn't had one or two bad signings, and right. it's not like those signings crippled them. Yeah, they gave David Backus that money, but guess what? They went to the Stanley Cup Finals that year, and they mm-hmm. should have won. And David Backus never even played, so it's not like he was out there stinking it up, scoring on your own net. Matt Bolesky, they signed him during like those purgatory years where it didn't really matter who was on the roster. It was just a couple yeah. lost seasons. But like a lot of the the um, the. I guess the, the the main negative thing everybody says about Don Sweeney is that he can't draft. And to that, I would say, I would think that might, you have an argument if you're referring to the first round. I mean, he got Jake DeBrusque. That was, that was a great pick. He got Charlie McAvoy. That was a great pick. Yep. And everybody refers back to that 2015 first round, rightfully so. Again, you got Jake DeBrusque, but you know, we all know the Seneshin and the Jakob Zaboro who could Make some noise this year. I don't know. We'll see what's happening. But he's made some great late-round picks. I mean, um, Jeremy Swayman was like a fourth-round pick. Brandon Carlo was a second-round pick. Did he draft Grizzlick as well? Uh, Yes. I mean, Grizzlick is a top-four defenseman. He should be playing every day. I mean, there were the luxury of Don Sweeney loaded this defense so much where you could afford to not have – Matt Grizzick be a top four defenseman or even be in the lineup every single day. But a lot of these guys, like not even these fringe guys, but some of these core um, bottom six guys, your Trent Frederick, your Lauko, some of these defensemen, your Carlo, your Grizzick, your McAvoy, these were all found and drafted by Don Sweeney. So I understand saying, yeah, he's definitely botched some drafts in the past, but the team that he's constructed, I mean, the Bruins have they went to the Stanley Cup in 2019 under his tutelage, under his team. They just had the most successful regular season in NHL history. He's the one who's constructed all these teams that's competitive year in and year out. We said it last episode. At the end of the day, it's up to the players who actually go on the ice to perform. And as a GM, all you can do is put the best team on the ice possible. And by every single metric that you could possibly record. He did that this year with this Bruins team. This team was an absolute wagon. And at the end of the day, they just failed. And you can't blame Don Sweeney for that. Right. Yeah. Don Sweeney doesn't lace them up. He just, he puts pen to the paper. That's what he does. Yeah. He makes phone um, calls. Yeah. He makes phone calls and emails <laughs> and he's pretty damn good at it. Um, but uh, yeah, at the end of the day, if you look at the way he set this team up, especially this year, people were picking this team to miss the playoffs. People, yeah. people were. I did. I was one yeah. of the people. Famously, famously, Paul Bissonnette was. He told. He said on Spit and Chicklets that this team was not making yeah. the playoffs. <laughs> Worst take ever. Worst take ever. Um, but yeah, full confidence in Don Sweeney. Um, he, he's. I think this year he's proven himself more than any other year. You know, in his in his uh, career, that he's a competent and very, very smart GM when it comes to building a team. And, and we know, saw that. I always thought it would be a cold day in hell when you and I are the ones here banging <laughs> the drums, defending Don Sweeney. But yeah. 
I've we've become full blown Don Sweeney stands, and honestly, what? I'm excited to see what he does with this roster. Yeah, like what kind of alternate universe have we slipped ourselves into? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, know. Not, I don't really. I don't like it here, though. <laughs> no, we're we're in a Rick and Morty episode. Yeah. Um, so this next question comes in from Leventhal Spade. You can follow him on Twitter at Leventhal Spade. Uh, he has a couple questions. First one he says is, if you had to pick only one, who would you want, Tyler Bertuzzi or Jake Dabrowski? That's oh, tough. man, that is yeah. pretty tough. Um, I think I would take Jake DeBrusque. I think I would too. It depends, obviously, what you could sign Bertuzzi on, what, what you know, money wise and, and contract length. But I'm pretty sure Jake DeBrusque is making what, uh, one more year at four mil? Yeah, one more year at four mil. Bertuzzi is probably gonna make around five to five and a half. Yeah. Um, but at, in terms of the player, shit. See, this is hard. No. In terms of the player, it's definitely close. But I think the Brusque, if I'm not mistaken, is like two years younger than Bertuzzi, which yes. isn't a huge thing. But Bertuzzi's also had some injury concerns. He broke both of his hands this year. I don't even know how you do that, but he did it. And uh, <laughs> and also, like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like like Jake DeBrusque. Off the ice, I feel like he brings more to that locker room than Bertuzzi does. Not saying that he doesn't. I'm just saying I think that's what happens when you've been involved with a franchise for seven or eight years as Jake DeBrusque has. But you couldn't probably find two players who are more similar. That would be more more difficult to answer would you rather than Jake DeBrusque and Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah. I think think just team-wise, right? You want to go with the younger guy. You want to go with the homegrown talent. Um, and I, oh man, though, I, I think I would rather have Jake DeBrusque, but I'm hesitant because it's it so will, close. It's, it's hard too, because I want to say that I feel like Jake DeBrusque has more upside, but I think his career high is like 27 goals and Bertuzzi's twice been a 30 goal scorer. So I don't even yeah. know if I can say that, but I also think of, I feel like a Bertuzzi. I feel like Bertuzzi brings more on the ice than Jake DeBrusque does because when Jake DeBrusque is in scoring and he's not playing well, he's really not giving you anything. But at least when Bertuzzi's scoring and not playing well, he can go out there and piss some guys off. And he's also a lot better playmaker and passer than Jake DeBrusque is. But I don't know. That's tough. I I, ugh, I feel I, I was well, I was the, kind of, the other was thing. Confident. The other thing too with Bertuzzi is his, his clear connection with Pasternak. Yeah, no, I was thinking the same thing too. Yeah. I would I would love to see like eight years of Bertuzzi and Pasternak. <laughs> I wouldn't give Bertuzzi eight years, but you know, that would be cool to see. But um no, I don't know. Bertuzzi could play left and right wing though. And I know Debrusky is mm-hmm. primarily just a right wing. That's hard. But you also have to think too, if uh if if Bertuzzi stuck around I don't know if Bertuzzi stuck around though. Would you also keep Taylor Hall, or would you still have to send him back? And if you lost Jake DeBrusque, um, if you lose JD too, you probably keep Hall. But uh, that's a whole other. That's yeah, whole no, other. no, I don't know. I yeah. felt like when the question was first asked, I immediately went to Jake DeBrusque, and as I've kind of been talking through it and, and massaging my thoughts out, I, <laughs> I don't know. I might, I might align with Tyler Bertuzzi now. Yeah, I think. I'm but still you know what? But you know what? That's the beauty of it. Yeah. We can have both of them. If, mm-hmm. if we play our cards right. So I don't know. 
We'll see. Yeah, so he so Leventhal Spade also asks and this one's this one is I, I'm curious to hear your answer. I think I already have mine, but I want to know your thoughts. If Jonathan Taves doesn't retire, would you no. bring him in as a bottom six for a reasonable price to help change the leadership DNA of this team? So I understand the first part, but the second part, this team has so much leadership. Bergeron, yeah. Felino, McAvoy, Marshawn. Yeah, I don't know. Guys. I mean, what? Who? Who would? Okay, if is this assuming that Bergeron and Krejci both retire? Uh, he didn't say. Because also, like, I hate to say it, but like, you don't know what you're going to get from Jonathan Taves. Like, this guy's been battling some serious injuries. I know that yeah. he had uh, a complicate. I think it was a complication from COVID that he still doesn't know. He's seen a bunch of specialists. He still doesn't know what it's about. So I don't know what you're going to get from Jonathan Taves. And, and you know, at least you can say you're going to have him on your bottom six so you don't have to get as much production at nowhere near the production that out of him that he was giving in Chicago. But right. what if you need that? Like, what if Bergeron and Krejci both retire? Koyo's are first-line center. I guess you still have Zaka. But I don't know. I, I, I think that there's better options, younger options, um, than a 37-year-old Jonathan Taves with questionable injury concerns. So let me ask you this then. If if you have a choice, because um, obviously Nick Felino is a free agent as well. We don't know his future, whether he's going to still play, whether he's going to retire, or if he's going to move to a different team. But if you have the choice between the two, Jonathan Taves and Nick Felino, to play, say, that fourth-line center role, who would you pick? Oh. It's such a weird question. I know. Like, would I rather have a pencil or a pen? I don't know. I don't really care about either. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Like I feel like Jonathan Taves, you can you can play him at center. He's a great face-off guy. You can move him to wing if you want. Nick Felino, uh, I feel like if if you need Nick Felino, I think is my answer because yeah. I feel like you know that he. If he stays healthy, he's going to give you 82 games. Um, you already know that he's beloved in that locker room, that he has a good relationship, it seems like, with pretty much every single person there. The, the um, younger guys all look up to him and respect him. Yeah, and I, learn from it, him. and I feel like he also, like, he knows his role and he plays it well. Like, a bo- yeah. he's, he's, he's been a, a top-line player for a lot of his career. He's wore the C on his chest. And he's accepted his role as being a top six left winger who's going to mentor some of these young guys. And I just, I don't know if Jonathan Taves would have the same, um, I don't know if Jonathan Taves would be willing to take on that role as seamlessly as Nick Foligno has. And I feel like just for the sake of maybe saving a few headaches, um, just work with, stick with what's working with what looked great last year. And I would, I would, I would probably pick Nick Foligno over Jonathan Taves. Yeah, I would say the same thing too. Plus the the way that Jonathan Taves with his injuries and and all of his his uh production um you know becoming less and less as the years go on, he's kind of fallen off. Yeah. Plummeting down. Yeah. I feel like the main um I feel like the the biggest thing you would get from Jonathan Taves, I feel like more so than his production off the ice is, I mean, on the ice is what he would give you in the locker room. Like yeah. he's a great leader. He's a captain. I feel like that would be why a team would sign him, but that's exactly why the Bruins don't need him. Like, I feel like he would be better off with a younger team. Send him to Seattle or I don't know, yeah. go to, yeah. go to Anaheim. Like, 
be a center, although I know Anaheim's got some crazy depth now with those young guys over there. But I just feel like what he brings to a uh, a locker room would be more um, appreciated on a team that needs that, and the Bruins aren't one of them. Yeah, I mean, I know it's not an option, but he'd be a great coach. Taves would oh, be a, yeah. Taves would be a phenomenal coach. I would love to see him as a coach someday. Hell, have him coach Chicago. He can stand behind Connor Bedard. Yeah, no, like literally. Um, ooh, we'll talk about that too. That'll be our last segment. We'll talk a little bit about So the, the last question that Leventhal asks is, uh, if, if Bruce Cassidy wins the Cup with Vegas, is that proof that the Bruins made the wrong move with the switch to Jim Montgomery? No. Okay, I, I don't think so either. I mean, it clearly wasn't working here with Bruce Cassidy. I mean, I, I mean, when he, when did he become the head coach of the Bruins? Do you remember? Um, I believe it was twenty fourteen. He was the coach here for that long. He he was here for six seasons. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know he had a lot of playoff success here. Um, yeah. But he never won the cup, and like that's why he was fired. I mean, if he won a Stanley, if he won in twenty nineteen, do you think he would still be here? Probably. Yeah, I think probably, <laughs> I think he probably would too. And like, yeah. it's not like he just walked into like a dumpster fire in Vegas. Like, they had the foundation of a team that could make some noise. And like, I think that part of it is they're riding high off of they have a new coach. Like right. Jim Montgomery just came in here and coached this team to 65 wins. Like that's the impact that a new coach can have their first year with a team. It doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen all the time. But I would have I would have been more surprised if Bruce Cassidy went to the Vegas Golden Knights and they sucked than I yeah. would if what they're doing right now. Like this does not surprise me. Vague. Honestly, getting to the Western Conference Finals, I'm like, oh, okay, good for them. I I didn't think they would make it, but I, I could see it happening. But like, if they were to like plummet like a 10-11 seed, like they're in the Bedard sweepstakes, that would surprise me more. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's. I don't think it's a fair argument to say if Bruce Cassidy was still here, the team would be alive. That's that's it's. We saw it for six seasons. Sure, they made it to a couple of cups. They never won. Um, but I think the voice in the room was going to be changed regardless. I think yeah. it was just time to get a new coach, new voice in that locker room. He wasn't gelling with the younger guys. And um, I think it was just time to move on from him. And yeah. uh, it's and it's not even – it doesn't even suck to see Cassidy have success in Vegas. Like there's no reason to be uh, – not angry, that's not the right word, but – there's no reason to feel animosity towards that. We all know he's a good coach. Um, we saw it for six years in Boston and then a couple of years before that, even in Providence. Um, yeah, he's a great hockey coach. It's just he's yep. not here anymore. Also, like to 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 be fair too, like you would not have this team. Like you it, Patrice Bergeron and Krejci, I do not think they would have came back if Bruce Cassidy was still the coach. And you can also kiss Jake DeBrus goodbye. Cause he, yes. he, so like there's three pretty important influential players right there that would be gone. And you, you can't tell me that the Bruins have 65 wins and make it to, I guess the first round where they got bounces. You, you can't tell me that the Bruins have the amount of success, regular season success. I'll, I'll have you. They had this year. If Bruce Cassidy is still here, because you know that those three players would have at the very least be removed from the conversation. And then that would also mean no Bertuzzi at the trade deadline, no right. Orlov, no Hathaway. And then what are you looking at? Right. Right. And you can, you can't prioritize a coach over three fundamental pieces of your team. 
Yeah, like, come on. Yeah. They're talking about building a statue for Bergeron. You think they're going to take Bruce Gatsby yeah. over him? Yeah. So, okay, so that was all the DM questions. Unless, Nick, did we have any other ones? Nope. No, I didn't okay. see any other ones. Okay. Um. So... There's been there's been a little bit of chatter on Twitter um, about Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, obviously, Chicago winning the draft lottery. I want to know your opinion. Would well, you trade for that number one pick? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Okay. Yeah. I, I, I would listen. I, I drive. I, I drive. Know, a, I drive a 2008 Honda Pilot. I can fit <laughs> seven players in there. Just let me know who you're trading. I'll load them up and I'll take half the team to Chicago for that pick. Okay, so so with you saying yes, who would you trade? Because it's gonna it's gonna be a Connor oh. Clifton, Derek Forbert, Mike <laughs> Riley. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. Like that's when I start. I don't. I don't know what a realistic offer would be dude it like, would be it would be massive i'm assuming probably you would have to have pasta and mcavoy in the conversation right yeah it starts with them i would probably throw in omark yep okay so uh, just thinking of realistic trade packages we can do <laughs> mcavoy pasta omark would you have to throw in lysel probably Lysel, and then how many firsts? How many do the Bruins even have? We don't even have any. (laughs) We don't even have any. I mean, I I think at the end of the day, it's going to end up costing like your entire roster, like the meat and potatoes of this team to get the number one draft pick. And I think in that sense, it might not be worth it. But um, like if the Bruins had this, like the Bruins team this year, if everybody was coming back next year and everybody can fit under the contract, yeah, like I would trade some guys to get Bernard in this lineup because he's he's that good. Like he's gonna change the Chicago Blackhawks franchise. They were like they like they traded for the last fifteen years, however long it was. What they took Patrick Kane number one. They took Taves, or was Taves two, or were they both one? I'm not Either sure. way, they were both like at least top three in their respective drafts, and I think they were back to back years. And for all these years, they've been like the face. Hockey is huge in Chicago. They've been one of the yeah. pillars of sports in that in one of the biggest sports cities in the country. Yeah. They've won. Uh, did they win two or three cups? I believe they won three. They won a, a handful of cups. Um, Patrick Kane got his MVP. Jonathan Taves got some gold medals. They've done everything you can do as a hockey player, all while wearing the Chicago Blackhawks jersey. Both of them leave in the same season. In like a six-week span, you had them trading Patrick Kane, and then Jonathan Taves says, uh, or the, the team puts out a statement saying Taves isn't coming back next year. And then like as a Blackhawks fan, you're thinking like, oh my God, like here we are as Bruins fans thinking, man, we might lose Bergeron and Krejci one offseason. That sucks. At least we can say we still have McAvoy. We still have Pasta. We still have all these guys. Chicago has nobody they suck there's a reason they have the number one pick so like they lose these two guys who have been the face of their franchise effectively they're bergeron and krejci for the last 15 years in the same offseason and they're gifted with connor bedard who at at the end of his career if he projects as to how he should be will eventually be the greatest chicago blackhawk of all time that's insane to me I can't believe that that happened. And we were talking about it on What's Brewing last Monday, shameless plug. And we were talking about who we wanted to see get the pick and who we don't want to see get the pick. And 
I always knew it was going to be Chicago because it just made too much sense. Original six team, like they're in Chicago. They're a huge media market, huge sports market. They just lost these two huge hockey personalities in one offseason. It was like it was written on the walls that Chicago was going to get the number one overall pick. And wouldn't you know, they got the number one pick. Like you can't tell me that like Connor Bedard is going to make the league a lot more money playing in Chicago than he would have if he was in Ohio or one of the 15 California teams. Dude, it was, it was, there was some crazy stat that when Chicago won the, um, the draft lottery that within 24 hours, it was something like 91% of their season tickets were sold. Yeah. Yeah. That's the effect that he has. And like, that's the kind of player, like thinking about him on the Bruins, like, Oh my God, I would do anything for that. But Dude. it would cost the entire – like you would have to trade the city of Boston. You'd have to trade the Patriots to Chicago yeah. <laughs> in order for Connor Bedard to come play for the Bruins. Dude, I was looking at his his just um, – his elite prospects page just because I was curious. He played a U13 tournament. He played seven games. You know how many goals he had in those seven games? Uh, I can't even – it's probably some, a phone number. Dude, he had 24 goals in seven games. That's ridiculous. I was reading a a thing about him the other day, and he was granted exceptional status to play in the CHL or or whatever those Canadian hockey leagues. And uh, he was like 15. I believe he's the youngest player to ever be granted exceptional status and play in Canadian juniors. I I could be wrong. Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure there are only three or four others. I'm pretty sure it was Gretzky, McDavid, and there was one more, Crosby. I'm pretty sure and, it was only them. And that's and like that's the kind of player that who uh, who would be your who was your player comp for Bedard? Who does McDavid. he most? Yeah, but and, like, dude, but he, uh, but but he, I, it seems like he has a better shot than McDavid. Uh, uh, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was going to say McDavid hasn't always been McDavid can do everything. He can score, right. he can assist, he can pass. And it really wasn't until this year that McDavid's like, listen, I've heard you say that people can score better than me. I'm just going to go get 64 goals. Yeah. He pretty much did that like in his sleep. So yeah. like to think that like this 17 year old kid who's going to Chicago, like this, everybody's saying this kid is going to be like McDavid or McDavid esque is it's weird because, like, usually you, you don't see these players come across that often. Right. Like, Gretzky played. We had Lemieux. Um, we had a lot – the NHL had a lot of good players, but they didn't have, like, that upper echelon, like, star who's changing the game. And then Crosby and Ovechkin came around at the same time. And then in the last 15 years, what was that, Oh oh three oh f- early 2000s, we've had a lot of great players come between then, but nobody was that kind of, you know – keep his rookie card you're gonna be a millionaire someday status and then mcdavid came and it was like holy shit like this is this is he's better than all of them like this is we haven't seen a kid like this since forget crosby like this kid's blowing crosby out of the water some of the shit he's doing and now to see mcdavid's only 26 and now we're getting bedard come in the league who should be the next guy like mcdavid should be handing bedard the torch when mcdavid's old and gray and now mcdavid's 26 not even in his prime and bedard's walking into the league we're gonna have some very exciting hockey for the next 12 years with these two guys going at it. Yeah, dude. I mean, his, this season with um, in, in the WHL with the Pats, he played 57 games. He had 71 goals, 72 assists, 143 points in 57 games. 
Like, and what? it's important to remember too. He is like seventeen years old. He's seventeen. He's he's, he's five a junior ten. in high school. He's he's five ten, one hundred and eighty five pounds. He and then in the World Junior Classic this year, seven games, twenty three points. I mean, imagine if he grows another two or three inches. <laughs> oh my god! Unstoppable, dude. It's, he's it's crazy. I'm excited though. Seeing is having having basically seemingly two McDavid's in the league on two premier teams, the Oilers and the Blackhawks. I mean, I can't wait to see him in the league. Part of me just wishes that McDavid, I know our only option was Columbus Blue Jackets, but I would have liked to see him in the East so we could have a, you know, they could meet in the Stanley Cup final someday, Bedard and McDavid, but fortunately we can't see that. But so back to your original question though, would you make a trade like that for, Connor Bedard for the number one overall pick. It's so hard, dude, because I my gut tells me no. But then I start thinking and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. If you everybody's saying the Bruins prospect system stinks, but it, it doesn't. I want to preface that it doesn't, but it's not strong, but it's not weak. It's in the middle. But you're gonna need center help in the future. You don't really have a clear-cut number one center um, in your lineup for the future. Sure, you got you got guys like Zaka, um, Coyle. and I guess Coyle, but I really don't like the idea of Coyle being a number one center. Um, I, I don't even like the idea of him being a number two center. I love him at number three. Yeah. Um, but with Bedard, and, I, and I'm not going to advocate yes or no. I'm just going to go through this as a hypothetical, and I'm going to say yes. With that, <laughs> with that, I would trade Olmark, uh, Olmark Lindholm. Uh, you know what? No, you don't do the trade. You because you can't. You, no, you can't because then you're losing too many assets. Like if you get Bedard. You're going to lose Pasta. You're going to lose McAvoy. You're going to lose Allmark. You're probably going to lose one of either JD or Lysel. Um, and then what? Then what do you have left? You got a crappy yeah. defense. And you got a crap defense. Uh, no Pasta. No JD. There go your first two right wingers. Uh, you, 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 no, it's not going to work. I would love it. I would love it. But it's just, it's not possible. And you don't even have any first round picks to give them. So it's yeah. like, I mean, it's not like uh, like you know NHL. You just keep spamming second round picks, get your <laughs> trade fighter on, have him help you find a deal. But just to get the like, value up a little bit, yeah. <laughs> get that meter even up. When Bedard gets that first contract, I mean, the time that that rolls around, I mean, I think McDavid has the highest AAV right now at like thirteen or around so. there. Like when Bedard is up for his big payday, when he's what is it like four years or some shit like that? I mean, he's gonna be, oh my god, he's. Three years, he's going to be 20 or he's going to be an RFA that first year. So he's going to be like 22 right. years old and he could get like an eight year deal making $14 million a year, depending on how high the cap goes up. And if you are to give a guy that much money, what kind of team can you put around him? Like that's going to seriously uh, hamper any is hamper a word. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Hinder, hinder. It's going to seriously hinder um, the Bruins efforts to 
provide him with a sustainable team um, if your top line center is making 14 mil a year, especially if, I mean, I assume you would have to give up pasta in any deal, but if your top line center and your top line right wing are making a combined $25 million a year, that then no, that would not work. And we've seen like Edmonton has had one hell of a time wasting away Connor McDavid's career trying to put guys around him because he's making so much money, which isn't, and he's still underpaid despite that. But um, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of things to think about, which is kind of crazy. Like you could have a player so good that he actually hurts your team because of the amount of money that he's making because the salary cap in the NHL is so shit. But um. No, I don't know. I feel like really the only way that you can get a Connor Bedard and not cripple your team is if you get that number one overall pick because any other team is going to have to give up half their franchise, all of their valuable players. You're going to set your team back. Like the Bruins are going to set their franchise back five or six years because they're going to have to build up all these positions again and all these prospects and draft picks. But right. you have Connor Bedard. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, you say that. with that too, like the Bruins don't have those picks to build build it back up that's the part oh, yeah. that that makes me say no although yeah. having bedard on the bruins would be uh, unbelievable it would oh be yeah so it, cool. it would it would if they traded for bedard the package that it would require like you said omark lindholm i know you stopped there because there's a lot more big names you would have to include like th- the bruins would suck they yeah. would suck they would have no young talent um they you mentioned that the other prospects aren't that bad but they just don't have a lot of them you right. don't have any draft picks so how the hell are you gonna like you you literally can't make your own draft pick in the first round until what is it like 2027 like, like, <laughs> like and by then bedard will be ready for his big extension so it just it wouldn't make sense from a Bruins standpoint to pay as much as bedard's gonna cost unless like you can you know yeah we'll give you clifton forbert mike riley uh i could fit four more guys in my car uh, yeah. John Beecher. Like, I don't know. Let's just start pulling names out of a hat. But, you know, yeah. that would never get it done. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, hey, with that being said, um, this is probably the end of this episode, uh, episode 41, the first real episode of the offseason. Um, oh. We're going to tr- we're going to try to get some guests on for you guys, um, create content that's that'll help get us all through the summer. And up until next season, uh, we'll be working on some guests and um, hopefully bring them on the show for you guys and make it a fun listen. But, um, you know, you can always follow us uh, on Twitch. I know me, Nick, and one of our other buddies, Connor, we play EASHL. Um, we're two and three right now, just a game under 500. Oh, but yeah. Fun just time. Feet wet. Yeah. But yeah, uh, last time was an awesome time. A lot of you guys joined um, just talking some hockey, talking some bees. I know Boosie from Only Bruins was uh, in the chat getting us all hyped up. Yeah, home uh, ice advantage with him in the chat, huh? Yeah. Coach uh, Mark Allred. Um, a, a bunch of the BNG guys were in there and also people who listen to the show, their shows, um, listen to our writings. They were in there and we were just talking some hockey now and fun. So we try to do that every Thursday night. Um, you can follow us on our Twitch. Our Twitch is uh, what? Something's Brewing now? At Something's Brewing Switch is at Something's Bruin Podcast. Boom. Perfect. So, yeah, hit us up on, on Twitch. Um, you know, but, hey, we're on to 2023, 2024. It's going to oh, be an interesting yeah. offseason. There's going to be plenty of stuff to talk about. Um, once, once the playoffs end and we get into, you know, beginning of June, mid-June, things are going to start to heat up. 
Um, we're gonna start seeing some some trades, some contract negotiations, some some more rumors out there. Um, but until then, we got plenty of NHL playoff hockey to watch. And you can always follow us on Twitter. Our podcast account on Twitter is at Bruin something, no G at the end. Nick's Twitter is at Nick Melanson underscore. And my Twitter is at Mike at underscore Mike Sullivan. Um, yeah. Thank you all for listening to episode 41 of Something's Brewing. Um, we'll catch you all next week. Bye. Did you know that in 1547, Henry VIII, his body was on display? He died. Exploded. His body, it exploded on the yeah. people there. Yeah, yeah. He was so fat, and his body was going through, um, like, when you die, and, like, it, it, all those gases and shit release and stuff, but he was so yeah. fucking fat that they, like, never re- – could they couldn't remove his organs, so he just straight up exploded. Oh my god. Imagine being at a wake and the body just explodes on you. Oh, you're covered in king's guts. You got the king's insides all over you. You know what else is crazy? You you seen Star Wars, right? Yeah. You know the the actor who plays um uh, uh Count Dooku? Yeah. Have you heard about his life? No. When he was he's British and he used to be part of a secret British military task force that would hunt down Nazis. So he was literally a Nazi hunter. Um, He lived, oh shit, he lived with somebody like really famous in England, like right before they died. Crap, who was it? It was somebody random, like Winston Churchill or some random person like that. And Mm -hmm. he was actually present at the last recorded uh, public guillotine murder in history. The last guillotine, last person to be killed by guillotine, or it might have been hanging. It was one of them. It was either guillotine or hanging. Was in France in like 1977, and he was there in the crowd as a kid because he was staying at the time. He was living in like a shitty apartment in Paris, and he was just kind of walking around and stumbled across this public, this public murdering.